Julia Record, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be talking to the really lovely Renee Heathmanners about the future of luxury travel. But look, I have to say congratulations on being named one of the most 50 most influential people in British luxury by Walpole. Absolutely Thank wonderful. You. Thank you so much, Renee. I really appreciate that. Look, you must be, well, you are one of the most qualified people in the world to talk about luxury. How do you see the future of luxury given the huge changes we're experiencing globally? The future of luxury, I think it's much more about privacy, it's much more about space because of what's happened with COVID. And we're incredibly fortunate with our hotels that they're all in landscape gardens or alternatively they're near parks. Um, so space is going to be incredibly important. Um, I believe it's also about escapism um, and I think luxury is moving much more into contemplation, intimacy, balance and, and pausing, which is something not many of us have managed to do. Um, I think also it's very much about psychology, understanding when guests want to communicate, when they want to be left alone. So those relationships are really going to be trumping kind of product um, and how do we connect with guests much more through their passions than ever before so understanding them and using data and insights but in a very intuitive and natural way and tell me you know we've spoken to a lot of people particularly at the four seasons groups about you know hotels struggling to keep staff at the moment or even struggling to maintain enough staff and you're saying that you know staff relationships are really important how do how are luxury hotels going to find staff now what well, is difficult uh, partly because of the results of covid many people have returned home obviously here in the uk we've had brexit as well and um, so we're having to look in much more kind of creative ways and going into schools and trying to convince people that hospitality is a great career to have. I think we've been incredibly fortunate at Dorchester Collection because our CEO and our owners kindly kept all our jobs um, open all that time. So we were very fortunate in a very unique position. And so we actually have one third of our staff have been here for over 25 years, which I think is pretty unheard of in the hotel industry. So. Um, but we're fortunate and tremendous loyalty. And I think people remember um, how well our company has treated us through obviously these difficult COVID times. Absolutely. What's driven, what's driven you? You've been at the Dorchester for 10 years. Um, you're very much a woman in a man's world in terms of you know, luxury hotels in general. What's, what's kept you there? In hospitality, I think very much the, the magic, the theater of going into hotels, that it's certainly not dull. Everything happens in hotels. So. I, I love that and in the Dorset Collection we're so fortunate to have nine fantastic hotels and we're opening one in Dubai. And have you come across challenges during your career, you know, being a woman? Not so much. I may be unusual in that, but no, not really. I mean, the company I work for now, we have half our general managers are women, half our leaders are women, and it's always been like that since I've been in the company for, for over 10 years. Uh, yes, it's, uh, hospitality has been more of a man's world, but fortunately at Porsche Collection, more and half women in that leadership position. Yeah, wonderful. And look, you've been awarded for um, telling the most compelling stories in public relations. And as you say, in the digital era, stories are more important than ever. Can you talk us through how do you find a story for a five-star hotel? How does that process happen? 
Well, we've got some great stories in our history and our heritage and from the local communities where the hotels play a really important part. But it's really redefining those stories and making them relevant in an ever-changing world so that we're not just resting on our laurels. We're looking you know, at the future and how we can re-look at those stories that we have and how we can make our guests the stories going forward. So there, we've had legends in our hotels, but anyone can become a legend when you enter that environment. Um, so I think it's really important to look much more at um, neurocentric experiences, immersive storytelling, and uh, much more connected with the local community and, and outreach and making a difference to people's lives. Wonderful. And tell us about collaboration. How important is collaboration in the future of luxury? I think brand collaboration is incredibly important for many, many reasons. One, you get the stories. Um, two, obviously, the databases, um, working closely together with other like-minded guests in hotels or in yacht companies or private uh, boats, bringing everyone together um, through special events. And it's also much more cost-effective and a great way to get new guests and customers. And I think unexpected partnerships are going to play a more increasingly important role in luxury. Yeah. And the Dorchester rooftop, you've got a collaboration happening right now, I believe. Yes, we have. Absolutely. So we've had a series of pop-ups on the rooftop at the Dorchester. It's the first time this space has been opened up and it's got the most amazing views of Hyde Park. And uh, we've had a bit of a mixed summer in terms of weather here in the UK. But it's been an amazing experience. I ha have to say what, what they've essentially done is they've transformed the Dorchester rooftop with kind of candy stripes and pink orchidilia to make it like the polo lounge at the Beverly Hills Hotel. So lots of Instagrammable moments. And it's recreated the Los Angeles power dining and, of course, the very famed McCarthy salad that it's known for. And a perfect timing because we're celebrating the 90th anniversary of the Dorchester this year. Congratulations. It's a big year of celebration for you. Wow. <laughs> and tell me, did you get celebrities up there? Because, of course, the Polo Lounge in Beverly Hills is renowned for having the most famous people there for at least sort of the last 100 years. How did you go in the Dorchester? Yes, we always get a lot of um, interesting, influential people. Um, so, obviously, we can't disclose who those people are, but... Um, yeah, we always get our, a good share of them. And what's the feeling like in the hotel in London itself? Here in Australia, we're on week 14 of complete lockdown. Um, how has the summer been? Uh, the summer in the city centres, including London, has been quiet, no, no doubt about that. The food and beverage has been doing very well, so we've actually seen people spending a lot more in our restaurants, particularly the alfresco ones. Um, Coweth Park, our country house hotel, Near Ascot has been a huge um, success. Obviously, the vacation business has been going extremely strong. The city centre is obviously much more dependent on business travel. So it's been quiet, but um, we're seeing a loosening of restrictions now. So we're looking forward to a really good um, autumn and uh, hopefully a good 2022 as well. And when you graduated, did you intend to go into luxury or do you, did you fall into it by accident? I fell into it 
by accident. I wanted to become a lawyer or join the Foreign Office. Um, so it was by total accident, but I'm really pleased um, I've done so. I love kind of the strategic insights you get from it and, and influencing people's behavior and perceptions. So um, it was an accident, but uh, it was a very fortunate accident. Absolutely, you're very bright. We, we read all of your, uh, your background. So it's not surprising that you, you like that element of it. And was it a big decision to move to Hong Kong? I know that was quite a number of years ago now. You headed up um, Global PR for the Shangri-La Group, which at the time was, in fact, Asia's largest luxury hotel company. Yes, it was a big decision at the time, leaving family. Um, but I knew it would be character building and a kind of a wonderful insight into the juxtaposition of the Chinese and the British cultures. I was there from... 2000, so it was just after the 1997 return of um, Hong Kong to the Chinese. So the cultural fascination part of it was really high up there. And also I enjoyed politics, so learning about politics in, in Asia and how that impacts um, how hotels are run and the environment uh, made, made it very intellectually stimulating too. But I threw myself into it um, very quickly and loved every moment of it. You were there five years, I believe? Yes, just under five years, yeah. Yeah, would you go back and live in Asia? <laughs> I, would, I would consider it, but, um, uh, um, but I'm happy in London too and I've got elderly parents, so um, at the moment my priorities are, are here in London and uh, doing the right thing by family. And as an Australian, I've always found you to be delightfully very English. <laughs> well, I drink a lot of Earl Grey tea, that's for sure, if, that, if that's what an English person does at that part of time. I'm very stereotypical. <laughs> Tell us about Debate Mate. What, what you volunteer there? Can you, can you explain what that is? Absolutely. Um, Debate Mate is a charity that I've been involved in for the last five years or so. And it's, um, it's a charity that powers social change. And it's really taking children from classroom to boardroom by teaching them debating skills. And of course, debating skills teach self-confidence, teamwork, tolerance, analytical thinking and we know that communication is the art of leadership and so I think it's really important to do well um, by doing good and this is charity very near to my heart um, empowering social change. How amazing and they must love having someone there from the Dorchester that must be very exciting for them too. And what do you do to unwind? Where do you travel? Do you travel in luxury and style? What do you prefer? I like uh, a mixture of everything in, in, in life. So um, I'm actually just back. I've had just had a wonderful holiday. The first time I've been out since COVID to New York, I went to Dea, which is the artist community there. Um, so it was good to start traveling again. And I've also just been on a work trip to our hotel in Paris with Maurice, we have two there. And we've just launched a whole load of artist trails and kind of bespoke. Uh, insightful tours of kind of Pat Picasso. Um, we're going to be doing it also for Monet and then in Italy but, um, as well. So it's been great to get involved and help look at the Maurice, which has got a long legacy of artists with Dali having spent every summer there and Picasso having spent his wedding, uh, having his wedding banquet there. Um, so yeah, we've been looking at how we can really develop that positioning of artists and thinkers at the Maurice Hotel, which is the oldest Parisian palace hotel. Where's been your favourite favorite travel destination and why? I love Beverly Hills and our two hotels there. 
and I can't wait to get back to some Californian sunshine. Um, so I really adore both those hotels. I mean, the Beverly Hills Hotel is so close to my heart. And many of you may know that um, the Beverly Hills Hotel was there actually before the town was inaugurated. So it really is the cornerstone of community. Um, and then with the Bel Air Hotel as well, 75 years they're celebrating this year. And they've just got the most amazing exhibition of Marilyn Monroe's pictures at the moment, taken by Bert Stern. So she did her last ever photo shoot at that hotel, and they're currently exhibiting some of those photos there at the moment. Wow. So prior to COVID, how much did you travel? Between once to twice a month, I would say on average. Wow. What a life. What a job. Yes, it's very, very fortunate. Is there anywhere that you haven't been that you still want to go? I'd love to explore more of kind of South America and the Caribbean, actually, as well. The idea of doing nothing rather than constantly being on the go would be wonderful. Yeah. And can you tell us any more about the future of London, given everything? I mean, there's just such huge changes there, as you've alluded. There's Brexit. There's obviously the coming out of the pandemic. Um, how do you see the relationship between London and Europe progressing, you know, re luxury and five-star hotels? Uh, that's a challenging question. Um, I think obviously there are going to be some initial issues and we've seen that there have been some kind of delivery and product. We've, there's a gas issue going on obviously in the world as well. So I think it's a combination of many global factors affecting how London or any big city will be but um, having just been, as I said, in, in New York, I think the, uh, the relationship with Europe is, 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 is pretty good. And isn't the Dorchester building apartments? Uh, well, we have some apartments next to 45 Park Lane uh, called the Mayfair Park Residences. Um, and that's given our guests a swimming pool. So the Dorchester and 45 Park Lane can now use the fantastic swimming pool at Mayfair Park Residences. And then we also have some residences um, in Dubai. So we're going to be opening a hotel next autumn in Dubai. And there are also some residences and apartments um, attached to that. And also at one time. And a few years ago, like quite a few years ago, there were whispers that the Dorchester was sizing up Sydney as a potential location for a hotel. Has that progressed? Can we, can we ask? Well, we're still looking and Sydney would be a wonderful addition. It's a, it's a city I personally absolutely adore. And of course, where I met you, Rally. So I hope that will be uh, on the cards at some time. Uh, so it's certainly a city that we're looking at. And like we do with all of our um, interviews, where to from here for you, Julia? Well, from a, a work perspective, I think we're going to be looking much more at kind of experimental moments that are transformative, how you can truly make a difference to people. So much more of the immersive storytelling um, to make our hotels very much more that we're captivating stories are lived and shared, focusing on the art of emotion um, and reinventing those traditions to redefine our heritage to make our hotels very socially vibrant. Um, and for me personally, um, some more tennis, I love interior design, more travel and uh, hopefully a bit more time to pause and, and, and meditate. Um, I'm very into the kind of neuroscience, so I would love to spend a little bit more time studying that. So I'm sure I'll see one of our hotels very soon, but uh, it's really lovely to see you um, 
Oh, it's lovely to see you too. Really miss you and miss the hotels and just miss everything that is London. Oh, well, we'll catch up, I'm sure, very soon in person. I would really, really love that. Yeah. All right, Julia, we well, thank you for your time and have a great day in London. Yeah, and have a fantastic evening in Sydney. And uh, thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's been most enjoyable talking to you. Don't forget to subscribe here and follow us on Instagram and Facebook for regular travel updates. You can also hear our episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.